please remain standing. I, I tell you, every time I hear songs like that, I get torn up on the inside. Because I come to church a lot of time wondering what's in it for me. With failing to realize that He's already done all for me. And if I needed more, He would. But every once in a while, and once, one, once every seven days, He calls it the Lord's Day. He said, that's for me. That's for me. It's unto me. And I found out the more I praise Him, the more strength I get. And so I tell you that when you come to church, sometimes you've got to move the focus off of yourself. Not unto us, but unto your name. Wow. It's, it's powerful. Awesome. Well, I want to do this in this service because I didn't have the time in the previous service. But I want Pastor Chad to come and stand with me here. And Valerie, you just come over here. And elders of the church, come and choir. You leave from where you are and come and stand behind me here. Because I want to anoint our Pastor Chad Stafford for this next level that the Lord has placed him among us by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he has given us this opportunity. Somebody's got some oil somewhere other than that big. You got some in your pocket. Hallelujah. Thank you. Come, come, Brother Sammy. You're part of our prayer team. Listen to me. This kind of anointing you feel don't come because you just bring somebody on staff or because you've been to college or because you have preached a few sermons. This kind of anointing comes because someone lets the Holy Spirit take control of their life. And while his family is not joining us yet because of the transition, they will do so in less than a month. His wife and children. And when they come, we'll pray with them too, brother. But we say to you, that is a team. And we got your back. We got you in front. We got the sides. We're going to help you praise the Lord. We're going to help you help us praise the Lord. Amen. So, for such a time as this, let us stretch your hands in this direction and ask God for his complete and unction and anointing upon our pastor. Pastor Chad has acquired the other's father. I know that this brother's already dedicated to you full of the Holy Spirit. It's evident, oh God, in his music. It's evident in his singing. It's been evident that no more than we've been around him. It's evident in his lifestyle. I pray for a fresh anointing. God, it's a new area for him. It's a new person for us. But none of us are new to you. And for such a time as this, release your anointing upon Pastor Chad Stafford. I pray for his wife and I pray for their children. While they will join us in a, in a few weeks, oh God, maybe less than three, I think that in this transition you'll meet their needs. But you will, we will all together be one and we will give you praise. You know the capacity of this church. You know the capacity of this choir, this music ministry. All our individual capacity to praise you. May we agree with our brother and, and support and pray for him as he leads us to greater areas of praise and worship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you applaud and bless this servant? Thank you, Jesus. I welcome you, my brother. Love you. Glad you're here. Amen. Thank you, choir and elders. Remain standing, church. Take your scriptures in honor of the word and go to Philippians chapter 3. Now, I want you to... Pastor Chad's family won't be here till about the week of the 4th. So I want you to spoil him, okay? Can I get a witness? When his wife asks, are they treating you okay? I want him to say, because he's coming to us from the state of Florida, originally from the state of North Carolina. So he's used to southern hospitality. So bless him. 
as I know he'll bless you. Verse number 12 of chapter number 3. So, very familiar passage. I've preached on it, so I was reluctant to preach on it again many times. I've even used it, and a lot of preachers use this passage at the start of the year. But I'm preaching on going to a next level, and during the middle of the year, we need some help. Well, two of us do. I'll preach it anyhow. And so, I'm, I'm, I'm having a little fun with you. And let me say this to you. After this message, for a brief moment, I'm going to enter in with you in a business informational meeting for the church for just a few moments. Because I want to inform you and get your participation, not in offerings. We, we already took up the pledges, so don't leave. I ain't taking up no offering for the building fund today. But I need to inform you about how we're going to pursue financing and what that's going to mean for our first phase of our project. Everybody's welcome to stay. We hope you will. If you're a visitor, you don't have to. But after I've preached and we have given the invitation and the Lord lead us, we're going to take about maybe 10 minutes of your time. And I'll, I'll allow for that in my preaching, I hope, and share with you so you'll be informed as part of the business procedure of the church where we're going next. But, but we'll go right now into the Word. Verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a group of people in the city of Philippi, where there's a church. He's saying about moving to the next level. Verse 12, not that I have already attained, meaning I, I'm, not, I'm not where I really want to be yet. Or I'm already perfected. I got some things down and I know a few things, but I'm not perfect. I say that along the way. I need to, don't you? Amen. But I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't reached there yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, as another, pressing on. I, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Put the next slide on, please. I want to talk about, in lesson number five, we're going to the next level. I want to talk about, very simply, I, I'm pressing on. Not there yet. Reach your hands in my direction. Would you give me 30 seconds of your prayer? Come on, your best prayer. Father, I'm a better preacher if the church will pray for me. And I'm a better preacher if you'll anoint me. And I know both of those are happening right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Not unto us, but be un unto your praise and glory and honor. And so, Father, I pray. I know it's summertime. I know we can be distracted. I know we have schedules. But I pray that you would let the Word of God help us to press in where you have us to go. I rebuke anything that the devil will do to distract the people from hearing, receiving, and applying. Bless everyone here today, God. Wherever we are, whatever level we are pressing into, help us to have the power of the Holy Spirit and change us in the process. Amen? Amen it is. Thank you. And you may be seated. This thing about going to the next level, we've been talking about for, for four weeks. This is the fifth week. And I've been studying from the book of Joshua. But I told you in the course of this study of the book of Joshua that somewhere along the way I'm going to bring you to the book of Philippians because it has so much to do, especially this chapter in reference, with getting to the next level. And I don't, I don't want to just use a topic or a, a cliche just to have a place to launch a sermon. I want to use it as a challenge for what God is saying to His church and His people and you individually in the times we're living in. I don't know about you, 
But I often get restless when I think about where I am and where I should be by this time in my life. Anybody? I'm talking about, I often, I often reflect on, I hope by this time in my life I would be here financially. I would be able to have, and some people say, well, I hope I'd be able to have this raise or this promotion by this time in my job. By this time in my life, somebody's thinking I would have had to have a larger nest egg so that I can, so that I can have something to retire or fall back on or just have something for rainy days. And so some folks thinking by this time in my life, I would have hoped to have had this degree of education, this Maybe a, a bachelor's degree or master's degree. Whatever your goals are. By now I've hoped to have reached the next level in my marriage. Or raising my children. Or in the work of the ministry. Or in personal disciplines of health, etc. And while we think about where we would have hoped to have been. If we're not there yet, let us not be quitters. Let us not be campers. Let us be climbers. Give me an amen, somebody. So I say that to you to tell you that there is no standing still in God. I tell you that from the day you got saved, you were not going to get all you ever going to get from God. I feel a hallelujah right now. When you got saved, God wasn't just granting you fire insurance so you won't burn in hell. I'm already preaching better than you all are shouting. Some people think, well, I got that done. I'll check it off my list. Now I'll learn how to ski. Water ski. You know, because he got this list of stuff we want to do before we die. And a few things we want to do might kill us before our time. You didn't get all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. When you got saved. And I'm going to preach a series of sermons not long from now on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when you got saved to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, i.e. the day of Pentecost. There's a higher power. Somebody help me here. You, you didn't get all the wisdom you're going to get from God the day you got saved. No wonder James says in his writing, If any man implying woman also lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all freely and abradeth not. I'm telling you, you didn't get all the power, all the anointing, all the talents, all the gifts the day you were born. There's got to be this pressing on. Can I, can I get another amen? Or you might have the voice of, of, if your mom is a singer, you may have the voice of your mom. Or you may have the talent of your dad if he's involved with skills and abilities for building. But, but you don't just get it and have it. You've got to press on into it. Delighted to have our oldest daughter Jennifer singing this morning and, and singing with the choir. And I'm grateful that the, the only thing that she has that likens her to me that you could tell is her skin complexion. The looks, the brains, everything else comes from her mother. I'm glad that we have a connection there. Hallelujah. But, you know, we speak things about our children. They're going to be this one day. They're going to be that one day. And it's wonderful. They're going to be a doctor. They're going to be a lawyer. They're going to be a, a, a fire person. They're going to be an electrician, a plumber, an airline pilot, a dentist. They're going to be so-and-so. And it's wonderful to speak things in your child's life. Well, just because you say it doesn't mean they're at that level. they got to press on somebody. they got to believe in them, encourage them, and discipline them. And as it, was, as it is with God, there's no standing still. I thank God for last week's sermon. But if I ask you what the title was and where I preach it from, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like me. You can't live off a of last week's sermon alone. 
And so, I, I, I like what John Maxwell says. If you take notes, you want to write this down because it's true about going to the next level. The road to the next level is always uphill. You didn't hear me. Oh, yeah. Anytime the devil knows you want to go to the next level in your spirituality, you say, I'm going to read my Bible through in 2011, and 300 people in this church have signed up to read their Bible through in 2011, and I'm praising God and encouraging you to do it. But if you tell yourself that, and the devil knows the jewels and the power and the wisdom you can get from God's Word, he's going to make your Bible reading an uphill climb. Can I get a witness here, somebody? Yeah. You tell the Lord, you know, God, I want to get closer to you, and I don't pray as much as I used to. I just usually pray some little old help me God prayer. I never spend really time with you. I never worship. I never really spend time. I'm always asking you for something in my prayer time. I never raise my hands and thank you and praise you. I always rush in and rush out of your presence. But I want to do better by that. I want to go to another level. You'll be sure the devil will make that an uphill climb. Can I get an amen? If you want to guard yourself in a holy, pure living, and I'm telling you, in this age and time, it's harder to live a holy life than it used to be because of all the availability of different kinds of media that comes our way. Can I get an amen? I'll have more to say about that next Sunday on Father's Day. <laughs> yes, Father's Day is coming, you know. And, and, and we need some men to go to the next level as fathers and husbands and men of God. And if I had more content, I'd preach it today instead of Father's Day, but I don't. I've got content about this. And I'm saying to you that if you make a plan that I'm going to live a holy life, the devil will be sure that he'll put temptations of all sorts. The kind of beverages out there, the kind of movies out there, the kind of companionship. Help me preach here. You say, God, I am going to go to another level. And all of a sudden, temptations that you thought you'd overcome in your youth has come back to challenge your climb. I'm going to tell you, sometime, I'm, going to give you I'm going to expose the devil here. And talk to you about why do we stay put and not go to the next level. I'm going to expose four things that keep us from going to the next level. And if I expose it, maybe we can deal with it and get power over it as we press in. Number one, we forget the meter is running. Look at me and hear me now. If you've ever taken a taxi, the meter is running. Even if you're going the wrong direction, the meter is running. I told the church in the first service, and I'll tell you in a more abbreviated way, uh, about five or six of us, when I was a college student, back many years ago when Noah first came off the ark, that's how long it's been, we made a trip, a missionary trip to Trinidad, West Indies, the island from which I came and where I was born. And we went to do a mission trip, and so in order to save money as college students, because you ain't got enough money to buy postage stamps if you're college students sometimes. Thank God you're always going to the mailbox if you're college students. You're going to your P.O. box hoping there's a miracle waiting for you when you open it. Any college students know what I'm talking about? You ain't, you know, you ain't sown any seed, but you're hoping some harvest comes in. So in order to save money, we, we drove from Cleveland, Tennessee, where Lee University is located, down to Miami, Florida, to save airfare, we flew from Miami to Trinidad and returned to Miami. We left our car or cars at the home of a friend whose family, a student whose family resides in Miami. We went down to Trinidad, have a wonderful time of meeting and fellowship and service and other things. Flew back to Miami. And when we got back to Miami, we got a cab, a taxi, to take us back where we thought we knew the location of the place where we left our car so we could get in and go to Cleveland, Tennessee. Well, we did not remember the location. We thought we had the address. We thought we had the phone number. You didn't have iPad. 
You didn't have text messaging. You didn't have cell phones. You remember? That's when Noah came up. You see? So you didn't have the technology. We rode all over South and, and Central Miami. It's big now. It was big then. We rode through all kind of cultures and places and we kept riding and the meter kept running in the taxi until it looked like if we stayed in the taxi much longer, we'd be able to make his car payment for several months. We got out of the car and decided we knew the area well enough so that we could walk to the house. Well, that was the worst mistake we made. The long and short of it, thank God for his mercy and grace, we got to where we were going. But here it is. The meter was still running. It was still, the price was still going up. The longer you and I wait to get in the will of God, the longer you and I wait to get to the next level, the longer you and I wait without doing anything that God told us to do, God's not going to give us any more time. The clock is still running on everybody. Can, can I get, get the only non, perhaps the only non-renewable resource on the earth is time. Time. None of us are going to get any more time. You are not going to get 26 hours in your day, and I get 24. Can I get amen? You are not going to get 13 months in your year, and I get 12. All of us are headed the same way that's north. We are getting older and older, and the meter is running. I know we try to make like the meter is running the other way. And we're getting younger. We get the extreme this, and we tuck in that way extreme, and we... Tuck the other thing and we pump up one thing and blow up one thing and pay a lot of money for cosm- you know, cosmetic stuff. And then when we get tired of that, we go to the same doctor and want him to undo what we paid him to do. Come on, hey man. Yeah. I don't care. A man, you could buy your hair or you could shave your hair. You could buy your teeth or wear somebody else's teeth. I'm a preaching man right now. You know, we, we all want to make it look like the meter is running the other way. But the meter is running. Oh, time is running out. And I don't care if you got CoverGirl or Maybelline or Obsession or Calvin Klein. The man is preaching, isn't it? I don't care what you got. Time is running out. So if you're going to go to the next level, when are you going to do it? James 4. 4, 13 through 15 says this. Look on the screen, I'll read it. He says in an effort to reason with people, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will do such and such an, a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Can I get a witness here, somebody? I hope you all live your allotted time. The Bible says with good favor from God and taking uh, good care of our body and the, the, the time that we are allotted could be 70 years, maybe 10 more years, 80 years, could get even 90 or 100. And I hope you get it. But you never know what will happen tomorrow. We are not promised a million tomorrows. Somebody here help me. And so, so my point is, the Bible says, for what is your life? Meaning the span of your life. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, you've seen the asphalt surface of a parking lot or a road after a summer rain. Can I get a witness? You've seen when the rain pelts the asphalt and then it stops. The heat of the asphalt creates a vapor because of the moisture on it. And, and, and that, I was coming back from Rome, Georgia, about almost midnight on, on, a, on Thursday night with Pastor Calvin Smith, having gone to the, to, the, to the state camp meeting. And it had rained the pockets of places on our way from Rome, Georgia to Noonan. And we saw this, this vapor. We, we never got directly in the rain, but we knew the rain was there because the little vapor was there. 
But no sooner than you see it, it seems like it's gone. Can I get another amen? And the Bible says, even though you live to be in the spectrum of God's timetable, in God's infinite time clock, 70 years is not a long time. 80 years from eternity past to eternity future, 70 to 80 years is not a whole lot of time. It's like a vapor. So if you're going to forgive somebody, do it today. Hear me now. I'm preaching now. Sometimes our inability to forgive keeps us from going to the next level. Somebody else done you wrong, hurt your feelings, did bad by you, never even came back to apologize to you. You know they need to apologize to you. You know they need to repent. But if you sit around camping out upon that thought and that idea, they are on their way doing something else, having a happy and wonderful life, and you've made yourself your own prisoner by waiting for them to come near you and pat you in the head and say, I'm sorry. They may owe you an apology, but Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on. I don't want you to go through a divorce. I don't want you to be the victim of a divorce. But if you have gone through a divorce, and you were the victim, you now have to have occasional interaction with your former spouse as a result of the divorce agreement and custody of the children. But do not let your previous spouse, who has now gone on with his or her life and hasn't done right by you yet, do not let them keep you in captivity to where you need to go next. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm not saying it's easy just to brush it off. I'm not, I'm not saying you just kind of just act like it is. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying to you, in order for you to press on to the next level, you've got to be able to have the capacity to forgive whether they apologize or not. I have to also. Somebody say amen. People will let you down. Lawyers will let you down. Doctors will let you down. Pastors will let you down. Children will let you down. Parents will let you down. But the Lord will never let you down. So the Lord says, the meter is running. You ought to be saying, if the Lord wills, I'll do this and I'll do that. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you something. If you're going to forgive, you need to forgive today. If you're going to pursue a better, higher education so you can improve your financial lot, you need to start studying today. Can I get an amen? If you're going to take care of your health and your body like we all need to do on occasion, and I'll speak for myself, we, we need to be able, my friends, to start doing it today. The meter is running. Tell your neighbor the meter is running. Can, do it. Just humor me. Yeah. And don't tell him anything about I hope he knows it because he always preaches long. Anyhow. Yeah. Today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know, the world was supposed to end a few weeks ago. I told somebody, I wish it would have. Man, I'd have been out of so much burden and stress. I'd be on. I'm going to tell you something about a Christian. I ain't worried about no time frame. If you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, got your name on the road. You're not afraid when the world ends. Your prayer is Maranatha. Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha means the Lord cometh. He's coming soon. But we got, while we have time, we move into the next level. The meter's running. We're going to build another sanctuary. We're going to go into the next phase because there are, E.V. Hill says there ain't no sinner shortage. Y'all didn't hear me, did you? We are building a larger sanctuary because there ain't no sinner shortage. Oh, God, I'm going to haul off and preach here. The bear joints, beer joints, and alcohol joints are building a second story because there ain't no gambler shortage. Help me here. 
uh, Las Vegas and some of these places where gambling is, they're building finer hotels and bigger restaurants because there ain't no gambler shortage. I'm a preaching man. The jails are getting larger and the mental institutions are larger because hell hasn't got no demon shortage. Why do you think you think I'm ready to sit on my laurels and sit on my hand and say we for and no more God? God is sending us families and children and young people and lost people who need to go to another level. And I'm not about to sit down and say, God, they can go to hell while I'm comfortable. I'm saying, God, give me faith while the meter is running. I'm going to be building. Somebody help me. Praise the Lord. You know one of the reasons we never get to the next level? Because we lose interest. Yeah, we got all these maps and charts about where we're going to the next level. We got it in our journal. We're going to the next level. We wrote it down five years ago. We went to, to some college and part of the enrollment was they're going to do some kind of psychoanalysis over you. When I went to seminary, they, uh, you know, and I think all that has... An important part of who you are. They're trying to help you determine who you are. And they make you fill out one of these personality tests. My God, I'll tell you, I took that test. And, and the fellow in charge of the, reading the test and interpreting, he saw me. I think he could have put it nicer. He saw me. And I hadn't seen the results of the test, but he did. He says, you need to come see me soon. <laughs> he did. Doug Slocum told me that. He said, you need to come to see me real soon. I seen your personality test. You know, they got the DISC, V-I-S-C kind of time. All the kind of different kind of tests. You know, you got the introvert, the extrovert. You got the, you got the, uh, help me here. Huh? Huh? Choleric, alcoholic, what other kind? <laughs> you know. Sanguine. You, you, all know, you all took the test, didn't you? Just like me. You ain't been to see your counselor, though. You just took the test. You bought all your stuff for me, and you and I both got stuff we got to get counsel about. It ain't in my notes, but I'm sure having fun. Somewhere along the way, we lose interest. We lose interest in making the marriage better than it should be. I mean, you know, just because you say I do and he says I do and she says I do and till death separates us doesn't mean that now you're on your way to the perfect marriage. You might be careful saying amen if he or she's sitting beside you. And Yeah. How I many know you got to press on, press on? To make, to, to make a marriage healthy for 20... Just because she's been there 20 years or he's been there 20 years doesn't mean that they're just there like a uh, floral arrangement, potted plant. Huh? Some of us treat our spouse like a plastic potted plant. No water, no food, no light. <laughs> yes. Jen, I'm glad you're here, girl. I'm, I'm telling the man that, honey. I'm telling myself, too. Yeah. I'm telling you. When you, when you men, we men set out for the prize, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. When your prize is your wife-to-be, boy, we, don't, we got a lot of interest going on. I'll tell you my story because I don't really know yours. And I may, but I like you too much to tell it. Man, I was 12, I was maybe 13 years old when I met my wife. Not my wife then, but she was a teenager too. But she was going to be one day, but that's when I first saw her. And I wrote that song, Hey, good looking. No, I did not tell Calvin I said that. Her father is a minister. My father's a minister. We connected that way. He used to pastor in, in Forest Park area. Her father did. My father was an evangelist. And so we connected 
My father came to preach for her dad upon his invitation. We met as teenagers. My sister Ruth and Miss Valerie became pen pals. Again, that was the day when you didn't have all, you know, the means now, so you did pen pals. How many of you remember when people used to write letters? <laughs> if, I want, if I want Jennifer to call me back, I have to not call her. I have to text her. <laughs> Jennifer, it's your daddy. Would you call him back? Two things gets her attention. Jennifer, I have to text her and I have to text money in there for her to call back. <laughs> and I'm only teasing about the last. Never do. But no, don't you, don't you, don't you understand? Do you see for me, like, for example, really, the texting thing for young people, they'd rather text than, right? Am I right? Honestly. And and so, but, but where was I going? My wife to be. Pen pals, she and my sister. In college, we met together again because Valerie and Ruth, my sister, stayed pen pals. We got to college and she and and Ruth became college uh, roommates. And I thought, God, you must be in this because I got a direct contact. Man, I, I, Valerie, oh, I'm telling you, you know, I, she has, over the, I've married out of my league. I know that. Don't say amen. I already know it, okay? And anybody you say amen, I'm going to look by who you're sitting by and see how it's the same for you. I, I married, as this marriage progressed, she became more radiant, more beautiful, more anointed, more splendor. As the marriage progressed, you see the results. Oh, long blonde hair down below her waist. Oh, my goodness, just uh, uh, appearance, complexion, demeanor, every, oh, you ever, you ever took a hot knife and touched it to butter? <laughs> that was the prize, the prize I was after, just one date. And you know, after one date, just one ain't going to do. So, because I'm interested in this relationship, I ask her for another date be there at 5 o'clock at the dorm to pick you up. I'm interested. I get there at 4.45. I buzz the box that indicates to the girls in the residence that I'm asking for. I'm here to speak to pick up Miss Valerie Gann. She's not here. Uh, she's not ready just yet, but she told you she'll be down in 15 minutes. I, I'm there. I know she ain't coming down to 15 after 5, but I'm interested. I, I, I got the prize in my eyes. Before I got there, I got me a 68 Plymouth Valiant. We were dating back in about 1976. We got married in 78. So I had me a 68 Plymouth Valiant. It wasn't quite yet antique, but if you push your foot through the brakes too hard, you'd go right through the floorboard and you could be like Fred Flintstone and stop that car. Right? But I'm telling you this, Brother Willie. Before I picked her up, I got me some armor all and a rag. Shined that dashboard. I shined the car. I took up the old napkin wrappers and all the Coke cans, all the trash in the car because I got my eyes on the prize. I'm interested in this prize. I'm telling you, back in them days when you didn't have no middle stuff between your front seat, you know, cup holders and all that, you had a full front seat. <laughs> oh, you know, when you, when you had a full front seat and you're taking your date out, you, you sit so close together, you wondered which one of them are driving that car. Because <laughs> I got my eyes on the prize. I'm going to tell you something else, young man. You got your eyes on the prize? You're going to buy you some pants. 
that don't look like the rat has had supper in it before you put it on. I'm a preaching man. Got a hole here, got a hole here, got a hole here. You, go, you got your eyes on the prize. You ain't going to weigh your pants so low on your hip that somebody got to wish they had a staple gun so they could staple it to your, you know where. In my culture in day and time, if you were out for the prize, you wore your pants up to your waist. And you had a clean shirt. You looked nice. You had some, some good smelling stuff on you. I've seen some girl catch some guys look like they went to the swamp to get that thing out of there. There's some, you know. Oh, God, help me here. Do you know like attracts like? You don't want what I mean by that? Oh, God, help me. I don't want nobody to get mad and leave. Interested, man. I didn't have to bring her a whole rose garden. I just bought her one flower. When she came out the dorm, I opened the front door. She walked right to the car. And I, I didn't go to my car side of the car and say, get in if you can. I came over and opened the door for her. <laughs> Sit right down. You comfortable? You know, you need to scoot over a little bit here. That door might be a little loose and you might. <laughs> I'm interested. You understand what I'm saying? After you get married, I'm going to hurry up this scenario. After you get married, you know, before you get married, you walk in the mall because you ain't got no money to buy no stuff. So you walk in the mall, you hold hands. But I did take her out to some fine restaurants while we were dating. I didn't eat as much, so I could take her out to fine restaurants like Crystal's, Wendy's, <laughs> Burger King. And a famous and a most happy and the most delightful Mexican restaurant would be Taco Bell. So all those places. <laughs> After you get married, six months, a year into the marriage, it seems like the interest drops. You know, you go to the mall and you say, come on, let's go, honey. And you go sit in the car and you say, you got five minutes or I'll leave you. You have to drive your own car. <laughs> you walk in the mall door. You don't open no, no ball for nobody but yourself. You walk down and you say, I got me a book here. I'll sit down and read. You shop all you want to. Somebody say, Pastor, you act like you've done that. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> if you're going to get to the next level, you're going to be distracted by monotony, by blasé living. By just the regular, here I am. Oh, here they are. If you're going to make your marriage richer and sweeter and more beautiful, along the way you've got to send a card of love and sincere affection when it's no special occasion. Say amen to that. That's good preaching. You've got to send something when it's not the birthday, when it's not the Valentine's Day, when it's not Mother's Day, etc. as a family. Every once in a while you, you just got to bring you got to arrange for a dinner and surprise him or her can i can I, that's that's what you got to creep create the interest we we know we got to keep creating the interest problem with our society is instead of creating interest in the own marriage that we have we go looking for other interests i'm telling you the truth little did we know that the only reason that other person's interested in us is because their marriage got boring and as soon as you hitch up with them which you shouldn't be you'll end up in another boring losing situation I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'll transfer it spiritually now. You remember when you started serving the Lord? The interest you had? You remember when God delivered you from darkness, from addiction, from drugs, from alcohol, from sexual impurity? You remember when you got saved and you came to church? You wouldn't just bring your little Bible. You'd bring your biggest family Bible. Help me preach here. 
Remember when you got saved, you would be the first one in church and the last one out of the altar. You were hungry. You were thirsty. You were passionate for God. You'd come to prayer meeting. You'd come to Bible study. You'd come. You'd sing in the choir. You'd work with the kids. You'd work with the teenager. You, you, you had an interest. Oh, God, you have delivered me from fear. You have delivered me from addiction. I used to be in jail, and now you let me out of prison. Oh, God, I used to be a warrior. I used to have to take a lot of medication. All these things, but you saved me. You washed me clean. You wrote my name in heaven's book, and I want to climb up higher in you, God. And it started out great for the first six months of your walk with God, but then the flesh started calling you back to what you used to be. Am I, are, you, are you okay with me here? The world started calling you back to where you used to be. The appetite of the, 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 the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you started losing interest. And sometimes we come to church, and I don't want to be unkind. Sometimes we come to church thinking, it just ain't clicking today, is it? The pastor don't have it. The choir don't have it today. The ushers don't have it today. The greeters don't have it today. The, it just isn't clicking, is it? We start losing interest. And we start thinking it's always about the pastor have to click it. And the music has to click it. And somebody in the pew beside me have to click it. Somebody hear me now. If you're going to get to the next level, you're going to have to click it yourself. It is a pressing way. Give a Lord a hand clap, somebody. Come on. I'm telling you, it's a pressing... Listen to me. We are so long. We always want somebody to take us to the next level. Somebody to cheer us on. Somebody to pump us up. Somebody to hype us up. Somebody else to do something else for us. Listen to me. If you're sick, you've got to take your own medicine if you're going to get better. Can I get an amen? If you're malnourished, you've got to eat your own food if you're going to get better. If you want an income, you've got to work your own job to get your an income and pay your bills. And I'm here to tell you, it's the same way with the house of God. Sometimes you've got to do your own praying. You got to do your own Bible reading. You got to do your own fasting. You got to do your own repenting. Somebody help me, praise the Lord. Let me tell you something else, and I hurry with this. I'm going to skip that verse here. I'm just going to tell you the fact of the matter is we never get to the next level because sometimes we've lost our hunger, our pursuit, our passion for the next level. Can I get another amen? My God, the thing that used to wake us up in the morning, I go to work today, and I'm going to another level. I'm going to church today. I'm hungry for God. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the anointing. I need my healing. I'm going to tell you, if you want your marriage fixed bad enough, you won't have to have to somebody tell you to get in a prayer line. Can I get an amen? If, if you want your finances fixed bad enough, you won't have somebody tell you you ought to tithe every Sunday and, and make you feel like, you know, how to obey God. You'll do it because God said it. Can I get an amen? If you want your mind healed enough, you'll get so hungry, you don't have to have somebody to push you and cajole you and beg you and pump you. If you're hungry enough, you will go to the table of God. You will draw up at His table and dine from His blessing. Somebody praise the Lord. I'm telling you, if there's a lack of hunger, a lack of passion, a lack of pressing on, you'll never get to the next level. And then here's something I want you to see. We don't want to pay the price. Going to the next level is going to take some time. No more than you plant some seedlings last week hoping you get watermelon or squash or cucumbers. No more than you plant it last week do you expect to go get squash or watermelon or cucumbers next week. It takes time for the seed to germinate and for the seedling to grow. It takes energy. Help me hear somebody. I'm just giving you the word. I want to show you how to pray. God, give me more. Give me the... You see, sometimes God delays an answer to our prayers because... Not because He's got such a long list of people praying that He has to get to us when He can. Anybody understand to me? 
you go to the, well, oh God, I better not say that. You go to some places, you got to take a number. Because of how they handle the crowd. You might as well take your laptop, your iPad, and your uncle to keep from being bored because it's going to be four or five hours. Depends on where you go. Or two hours. God's not deaf. He can't hear. And he's not blind. He can't see. And he's not got such a long list of people waiting for answered prayers that they've got to take a number and your time will come. Sometimes God waits to answer our prayers because if he gives us too much blessing too soon, it's like giving us precious jewels and only having them come worthless because we haven't developed an appreciation for what we got. Energy. It takes personal discipline and sacrifice. Give me another witness, somebody. Listen to me. If you want to have a healthy body, you know what it takes. It takes staying in the gym earlier, going earlier and staying longer than the average person. It takes personal discipline. While everybody else is going out to have pizza and Brewster's ice cream. Nothing against Brewster's ice cream. I'm one of their favorite patrons. Sometimes you got to skip the Brewster's and the ice cream. It takes discipline and sacrifice. Sometimes, when everybody else is looking at a particular show, movie, something going on that appeals and entertaining, but it has foul language and nudity, etc., you got to say, my eyes don't need that. My mind don't need that. Somebody else is cussing up a storm or boozing it up to get out of their momentary affliction. you got to say, that's not me. Because, because I'm forgetting those things that are behind and pressing to the future. And I close with this. The way to the next level is not just forgetting and forsaking, but it's repenting. Hear me now. If there's anything in your life that is inconsistent with God's word regarding his blessings, if there's a secret sin or a public sin, if there's stuff in the junk of the closet of your mind, Attitudes, actions, behaviors, lifestyle, choices. You just can't forget about it. You got to forsake it and repent of it. And then ask God to take you to the next level. Give me an amen here. Bow your heads, please. I'm not going to prolong the invitation. You say, Pastor, I have lost interest. And as a result, I'm not where I should be. Pastor, I have failed to realize the meter is running and I'm running out of time too. And I need to get back on board and use the time wisely. Pastor, I need a hunger for God more than I have. And I got to, I got to be able to pay the price. I personally must pay the price for what it takes to be a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, a better single adult, single parent teenager. Whatever, whatever you're striving for, you want to get to that next level, I want you to ask God today to help you to press through. If you need salvation to be born again, you know you are not saved or not where you ought to be with God. You can't afford to ask Him to bless you, but you live in like you are. And you say, Pastor, I'm leaving that behind. I need forgiveness. Pray for me when you pray today. Raise your hands if that's you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hold, hold it up a moment. Just me and you. Thank you. Numbers of hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this transparency. Put them down. That's all. That's all. All I need is the acknowledgement and your acknowledgement that this is me. 
Lord Jesus, I ask you today for everyone who raised their hands. I ask you for peace and power. And I want the Christians to pray a whisper of a prayer right now for those who raised their hands. I want the intercessors to pray. I want the altar workers to pray that the power of God would descend upon these who raised their hands. Pray, everyone. And if you raise your hands, you tell God why you raised your hands. Father, there are different ways I know to give altar invitations. This is the way I feel this morning. I rebuke the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life from damaging people's destiny. We not only forsake and forget our sins, we confess them. Say amen, church. God, we confess. Right now, if you raise your hand, say, say to God in your prayer, say, God, I confess that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. Tell him that right now. If you raise your hands, tell him that right now. God, I confess that I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. Tell him that. God, I want to be saved. I want to be cleansed. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everybody else stand. Everybody in the church stand. Stand with me. Would you stand in faith? Would you, if you're born again and you just pray the prayer of being born again, would you lift your hands to the Lord and just, just give Him some adoration and praise? Raise your voices a little bit louder and thank Him that you're going to the next level because He's going to renew your interest. I want to pray over you. Now, as you raise your hands, if you've lost interest, ask Him to give you more interest. Come on, right now. You're already saved, but, but you've lost your hunger, you've lost your interest, you forget the meter's running, you don't want to pay the price. Right now, as you raise your hand, say, God, I know there's a higher place, I want to go there. Come on and praise Him. I know there's a deeper place in you, I want to go there, God. Come on, pray, pray right now. God, I want to take my children there, I want to take my spouse there. Oh God, I want you to give me power to say no when I need to say no. Don't let me hang with the wrong crowd, God. Don't let me listen to the wrong voices, God. Don't let me follow what is politically correct at the neglect of God's Word. Don't let me follow any Hollywood movie star, any athlete, or any, any kind of other entertainer that is living an immoral lifestyle and seems to be blessed when I know better. God, I rebuke some of the people that we have raised up as idols in our eyes when that's not an idol in your eye. Let us get our greatest, Lord, our greatest hero, our only hero is Jesus Christ. Come on. Help me to be more like Jesus. Help us all to be more like Jesus as we go up higher in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord some thanks. Come on. Put your hands together and give the Lord some thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody praise Him. Amen. Now. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. It's a little different this morning because of the nature of where I take us. If you're a visitor, you're welcome to stay. But if you'd like to go in a moment, I'll, I'll allow you to do so. What I'm going to do in the next few minutes, maybe no more than ten, so please in, indulge me for the ministry of the church. I'm going to explain to you what we're going to do by way of financing, the next level, and how this is going to walk out. So if you're an attender, a member and or attender, if this is your church, you call it your church, I hope that you will stay. But you have a few seconds for those of you that might not choose to stay. Then, then you can just, in five seconds, let's turn around, shake hands with a few people around you, and tell them, I'm pressing on. Would you tell somebody, and then be seated. Tell, tell somebody, say, I'm pressing on. Elders, come to the platform, if you will. All the elders. But all of our church members and attenders, I need your time, and I hope you'll stay right there. Be seated, if you will. Elders, come and join me on the platform. Put, this, put it on the screen, my brother, what I need. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Mm. What a mighty God. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise while we transition. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you and worship you and bless you, Lord. Now, brothers, uh, all my ushers, I want you to get to the place you need to be, and, and I, I want you to start counting in a moment. What I'm going to do is follow Church of God parliamentary procedure.
by way of our book of minutes and our bylaws to move us to the next level of our rise up and build. Okay? What I'm going to do in a moment is entertain a motion brought to you by your church elders and finance and, and building committee as it relates to the amount of money we need to move to the next level by way of securing a loan. We're not taking pledges today. We've already done that. I'm not taking an offering today. We've already done that. Okay? What I'm doing now, according to the leadership of my state administrative bishop, Dr. Michael Baker, and the minutes of the Church of God, is to have a called business meeting of this context. Now, I gave opportunity back in February and March, nine different meetings for you to be informed and to ask questions about this project. So we've gone through that. So, this morning, what I'd like to do is to show you where we are and where we're headed. We are now at the place where we would like then to begin the first phase of our building project, Rise Up and Build. That first phase includes a new sanctuary of 1,500 seat, which will be in this direction of our campus, adjoining this building. This first phase will include all the parking. There will be new parking. And they will also include all the site work. It will be curbs and gutters and two retention ponds. It will have to do with all that is involved with what is required by the county and the state for the site work. And the, all that has to do with erosion, etc. Okay? So it will also include the fire sprinkling system for our existing buildings. This is an existing building, built in 1997. And... At that time, due to the capacity of our size, of our building, I should say, we did not have to sprinkle the building for fire code. Now we do. And that would include the first phase then being $5,116,000. Along with that, we need to secure adequate septic sewer facilities to handle the crowd, the tap, and impact fees. That is done by the county and the state as it relates to the volume of the use and uh, the projected use as well as our commercial kitchen that we have. We, we hope this number is going to be less than 176. We hope it's going to be considerably less, but that's the number we have now that involves this phase one. We will then need to repair our existing parking lot. The front lot was done in 1997. It, is, uh, it has been repaired and uh, Fixed up to last a little bit longer a couple of years ago. But now at the close of this phase one, we will need then to replace that parking lot and repair it to the level of the new lot that we'll have. That's $60,000. There will be a contingency worked in to a contingency amount worked into the loan for things that take place that we might not have expected would take place. The banks require a 10% or more contingency of the amount of the construction. Let me see if I can simplify it, not because I, I think that you are uh, not learned. I just simplified for our understanding. I don't know if you've ever done a home remodeling project and you tackle the plumbing. And they said, you know, we can do the plumbing for 3000 only to find out that it'll take 7000 You didn't count on that. Or 6000 If you've done a garage, if you've done repairs, their costs that... that inevitably come up. The bank is saying, we want to make sure that you secure in this loan adequate funds for contingent needs. If you don't use it, then you don't borrow it. That's what that is. Okay? And now then there's a financing cost. The financing cost involves a number of factors, including the services of the strategic 
consulting group out of Marietta, Georgia, who has brought us to this place in our finances, along with a strategic financial plan. They have reviewed our funds for the last three years. They have determined due to our operating cash flow of the last three years, and especially the last year, the amount that we can use of our weekly tithe and offerings for debt, debt service, mortgage payment, leaving us a remainder amount for ministry. We are working on this loan to the degree that we can handle the payment but not hurt ministry. Can I get an amen? So we have incorporated the services of our CPA, who is Taylor & Associates, and Strategic Consulting Group has come up with uh, for us, based on our numbers, very real numbers, with the consent of our elders and our building committee, a strategic financial plan for us. In order to acquire this kind of funds at the rates we like, this group will then take us to the banks. They will market the loan and bring to us what we believe will be the best terms. Included in that number are things like closing costs and the possibility of if we refinance our existing loan earlier than the date that it matures, there may be a percentage of penalty. All that's worked in into that number. Then we need to refinance our existing debt that we acquired about five years ago at $3.3 million when we built the most previous of our construction. And that is $1,455,000. In the last two years and more, we've been paying that down significantly. So much so that in the last two years, we've been paying our monthly payment is 14000 a month. But because of your giving and our desire to reduce our debt and indebtedness, we've been paying 40000 a month. Can I get a hallelujah? Yes. Two years ago, we got interest rates at 4.75% for 17 years. That's phenomenal for our church because we considered a commercial uh, venture for the bank. And so having said that to you then, the total need that we have based on the numbers you see me itemize for phase one, including the refinance, is $7,482,200. Anytime you want to stop me and write the check, I will stop. Hello? But I'll proceed. Then, with this knowledge, we, I'm saying this to you. If we don't need to use the contingency, we will not. If we don't need to use any more than sheer, we will not use it. Because I've been at the helm of this ship for 26 years as your shepherd. And one of the things that this church can be so proud of is that we've never run late on any payment. We've never had any utilities cut off for lack of payment. We've never had been taken to court for lack of financial and fiscal responsibility. Can I get an amen? amen. We are a desirable entity with banks when in this day and time many churches have foreclosed and have lost much of their property because of the fail of, of being financially and fiscally responsible. And so what we have then done is upon determining the number, we come to the knowledge that the monthly payment based upon this size alone will be about $53,000 a month. That includes money that needs to go to additional utility costs, 
maintenance costs, insurance costs, etc. We are, we are anticipating a loan in this present market to be in the interest rate of 6.5% to 7% with an arm, amortization of a possibly 15 years to 20 years. And that's why we get this number of 53000 as a monthly payment. We have been paying 40000 You've heard me say that. Now we are also in a financial campaign, rise up and build, for three years. Okay? It'll take a year to, to do this building. The rise up and build financial campaign includes pledges of $1.2 million. Because our church family, you, we've already taken this vote to build already because of the pledges. Okay? This is a formality as it relates to our bylaws to inform you of the details as it breaks out. But my point is, we will, for the first of the three years of a financial campaign which began in, in March, we will contribute that money to the building fund. And then the remaining two years, we will use the additional funds from the campaign for the remaining two years to help us bridge and transition into our new payment until the church grows because it will. Until more people come in and God gives the increase and more resources are there. And that's how we hope to accomplish this payment and go beyond here. Let me give you some more information. Then if you have a question, I will try my best to entertain it in a, in a way that is helpful. After many meetings, after many financial analysis, much financial analysis from gifted people in our church and people we brought on board who are independent of our church, CPA and financial consulting group. We have come to this place of recommendation for the church. Upon recommendation of the South Metro Ministry Board of Elders and Building Committee, we present a motion to the congregation of South Metro Ministries to authorize Pastor Alan Matura on behalf of South Metro Ministries to secure funds up to $8 million for the purpose of implementing Phase 1 of South Metro Ministries' building project. I know you know the math. Let me explain. $7.5 7.5 million is the amount that I showed you on the board, approximate. We're asking to borrow up to 8 million so that we, if we qualify, if we need it, it's there and we can accomplish the task, even though we have a contingency. I say this to you with the integrity of the ministry that we are not going to use anything just because we have the capacity to borrow it unless we need it. Can I get an amen? But we are asking for that buffer so that we have to come back. Now, again, let me refresh to you. You get, we'll be getting the sanctuary, the lobby, some FF&E, all the parking. We will not be in this phase getting the front facelift at this time. Nor will we be getting the renovation of this facility and some of the others. That will come later. And that is due to the fact that, that we have several components working here. We had hoped that our financial capital campaign would bring in a larger commitment amount. But it did not. What it brought in was due to the times and the seasons and where we are. And God knew that number before it came out. And we're going forward with that number. And also because of the times we're in and situations having to do with building, we are at this place where we are going to go with the first phase as I've described to you. Okay? So, having said that, this is the motion before you. What I will need is to respond to a question you have about this, if you have it. And then after the which, we will entertain a motion to accept this recommendation from my elders and building committee. We'll take a vote by the show of hands for those in favor to do so and those opposed by the same sign. I'm making, trying to make sure now that I've covered everything. And so now I will open it if you have a question for me that you'd like to ask.
Mm, I'm getting gooder and gooder, ain't I? No, I'm just kidding. I know tease about it. Okay, so now, if there's not a question, I will entertain a motion. And that can come by way I so move that we accept the recommendation of the elders. Okay, it's moved. Is there a second? Second. Okay, now, ushers, you get ready for the vote. And we're voting in favor in this direction. You do so by the uplifted hand and you need to hold it up for a little bit so we can get an accurate count. Okay, all in favor, do so by the uplifted hand and hold it up a moment. And while you got it up, say praise the Lord. Now, only do one hand, though, because while you praise the Lord with both, we, just, we want to be sure that we get all. This is for the sake of our church's order and parliamentary procedure. It will go to the office of our denomination. It will also go to the record of the bank. And so we want to make sure that we have it. In God good, church. Amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Brother Roger, this kind of takes you back some, doesn't it, brother? Because he's the founding pastor of this church. Hold it up. Just some, uh, Usher, did you get it? Did you, did you get it? All of you, brothers? Okay. Are we good? Okay, you may put them down. If you are not in favor, you may indicate it by the same sign. And thank you. It is unanimous. Stand to your feet, somebody, everybody. And let us give the Lord some praise. Everybody, come on. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on, help me praise him a few more seconds. Oh, my, my, my. Now, now listen to me. I'm going to let you go in a few more moments. Listen to me now. I want us to thank the Lord before we leave and just bless him. Here's the thing. We're working on a few more details. So I don't have a projected date to start. I hope it's October. I hope it's sooner. So tarry with us. And, and if you don't see dirt turning and all that kind of stuff, and you, you know, just, just come on, bring your own shovel one Sunday. We'll put you out there somewhere. But we're working on it because we want to do it with excellence. Amen? Elders and building committee, stretch your hands in their direction, please. And bless this congregation. Church, you stretch your hands direction of heaven, if you will. Let's thank Him that we're moving to the next level. Father, I know this is a little different than some people have done church before, but this is your business. And we want to do everything decently and in order. In the first service, it was unanimous. Unless I missed it, it was unanimous. In this service, unless I missed it, it's unanimous. And God, I thank you today for the faith of your people. We are going into the next promised land. We are going into the land of plenty and promise and power. And God, we are going in partnership one with another. We need each other. And so Father, supply the resources to this church. Amen. Bless the people with jobs, with finances, with miracles, so that all of us can keep sowing into our pledges and our giving. May we start, may we be blessed, may we find favor with the bank and with the authorities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? One more time. Thank you for your, your tarrying. We have men's prayer tomorrow at 7. God bless you as you go. Have a wonderful day. How great Thank you, praise God.